Fusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. The good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we simulate your brain with weird and wonderful science. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this special edition, Brendan Clark talks about the worlds of virtual reality. Virtual reality and the metaverse are on the news pretty often these days. Facebook have invested heavily in virtual reality hardware and software. Computer game companies and even cryptocurrency companies are getting into the virtual space. In the 1990s, virtual reality was going to be the next big thing, but the graphics were so slow that people got physically ill from the lag between what they expected to see when they moved their head and what the computers were able to render. 30 years later, and our graphics computing has caught up, and virtual reality is something many people can take part in without getting sick. Not everybody. On the cheapest end, there was Google Cardboard, where you simply use your phone as the screen and put it into a headset with a lens that lets you focus your eyes close up on the screen. At the more costly end, there are dedicated virtual reality headsets and haptic bodysuits that let you feel you're really somewhere else. The metaverse was a future virtual reality written about by Neil Stevenson in his novel Snow Crash. The word is used a lot these days without any credit to the author. Brendan Clark is a systems engineer, technology evangelist, Singularity University panellist, co-founder of Transhumanism Australia and a virtual reality enthusiast. I spoke to him by Zoom and began by asking him what's happening in the world of virtual reality. There's many different companies vying for <laughs> control of, they say, the virtual reality space at the moment, but probably the best known one right now and the most successful one currently that the one that most consumers know about is the oculus quest 2. the oculus quest 2 is a relatively cheap standalone unit and standalone by what that means is that fact that you don't need to plug it into a computer for it to operate so it can operate directly what's built into the headsets up more like a, a portable mobile phone type environment there were certain virtual reality headsets before which were quite popular, such as the HTC Vive and the Valve Index. There you are more traditional, a little bit more expensive. You have to plug into a relatively powerful computer to operate. But generally the graphics and experiences are probably much better on those. But for the Oculus Quest 2, the, the whole market is now all moving to small form factor, portable devices. And that's where the Quest 2 really shines. You do get the best of both worlds, though. So with the Quest 2, you've got a, an option through the Oculus Link, which is basically a, a special USB cable, which allows you to connect it to a PC. So then you can get the enhanced graphics power from the PC. Because obviously from the cell phone processor that's inside the Quest, the graphics can't be quite as good. But if you connect it up to your high-powered PC, you get really good graphics. There is another method which you can do it over wireless, using a program called Virtual Desktop, and you can stream it wirelessly over your router, but you need a fast router and a relatively fast PC. The cool thing is you get really good graphics. You get completely wireless 
use and you're streaming the graphics from your PC directly to your, your headset, you get a little bit of extra latency. Sometimes you get a bit of stuttering, but you're, you're completely wireless and you get the upgraded graphics. So when you say latency and stuttering, that means what? It slows down from what you expect to yeah. see. And what is stuttering? Yeah. So one of the important things to understand about a virtual reality as opposed to, say, a, a traditional computer screen is the fact that you're now immersed into that virtual world. If you have a lag or latency in your thing, then your movements that you have and the, reflect, the, the world that has to catch up to those movements is delayed. The problem with that is, besides you know, taking down your experience a little bit, is it can actually make you physically ill. Right. So the, the very, very important thing in virtual reality is always to have a very, very low latency so that your body and your mind are in sync. As soon as they get out of sync, it's like being on a, on a, a say, a ship and get seasickness. You can get a, a similar thing, which is basically called VR sickness. And that's made worse with a, a longer latency. The stuttering is a little bit different. That's where it's basically the computer buffers up a whole bunch and you get a very, very bad experience for a few seconds as opposed to just a, a small delay right it's like a glitch in reality appears yeah, in your world. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so what would this sort of setup set you back how how expensive is it the the oculus quest 2 in australia i think it's about 447 dollars for the low-end model and that's shipped to your door so that's really really cheap yes so be before in the old days if you wanted to get a virtual reality thing, it would cost you up to $1,000. And it was very, very hard to get shipped to Australia. Now with uh, the Oculus Quest 2, you can basically jump onto the, the website and order this for a uh, relatively cheap price. And it, it arrives at your door and you're ready to go. So how close are these screens to your eyes? Well, they're practically touching your eyes, but they... <laughs> The Oculus Quest 2 is designed to be able to wear glasses. They come right. with a little insert to be able to bring it away from your eyes. And there's some other models which can, you guys have face inserts, which makes it much easier for those glasses to be a little bit further away so people can wear glasses. There's some other third-party services which will allow you to send your prescriptions in and they'll custom grind lenses for the thing and then you can put them into that so you don't have to wear glasses in the headset. Terrific. So... You've ordered your virtual reality headset, or you've already got one, and what sort of places, what can you see, what can you do with your virtual reality headset now? Yeah, good question. Uh, there's um, a lot of lot of things you can do, some free, some paid. They give you a couple of experiences that, that are free on the Quest. So there's like a, a version of YouTube that you can view, right? And so you can view that inside virtual reality. So that's effectively watching some 3D movies, you know, 360 degree videos and things. But you can also watch traditional YouTube movies and it presents like a giant TV in front of you. So it looks like you've got a uh, 100 inch TV in front of you. So that's really good. So if you want to watch movies and, and things like that, it's like watching a, a big screen. There's another method where you can actually place yourself inside a virtual movie cinema. So it feels like you're actually in a virtual movie cinema with a giant movie screen in front of you. Wow. Other things is like some exercise things. So one of the things is people want to exercise. So 
with, especially with COVID, you can't go anywhere. So there's a couple of experiences. So one, one which is very, very famous called Beat Saver. It's a game. So in the game, you've got like a um, virtual like lightsabers from like Star Wars, and you've got these cubes that come towards you in terms to music. And the idea is you have to slash the cubes as they come to you. So it's a little bit like Dance Dance Revolution at the arcades. The difference is it's quite addictive. And because you're actually moving, and sometimes they see walls and, and some uh, low overhangs come at you, you have to duck and basically squat to get underneath them or step to the side. At the end of this, if you play for maybe an hour or something like that, you exercise quite a lot and you burn off a lot of energy. So it can be really, really tiring. Some people actually use that as a fitness way of to lose weight. So if you're yeah. exercising, but you can't see the real world, how do you not hit things and fall over things? It's very, very important that you have a, a, a safe play space. There's plenty of YouTube videos where people have accidentally hurt themselves. Uh, <laughs> like one of the things that happened to me in my house is I was showing my daughter Beat Saber. And I noticed that her, one of the handsets she had wasn't, the wrist strap wasn't on. So I went to tie that up. And since my daughter can't see me, she ended up hitting me in the face oh. <laughs> because she was trying to uh, hit the hit the cubes and didn't see that I was trying to help her because no. she couldn't hear me, right? No. And, and there's plenty of videos of, of people doing those things. So one of the things that Oculus Quest has in, in, in a really good things called the Guardian system. And what it does is it allows you to map out a safe space in your room, right? So that the, the headset knows where your safe area is. If you step outside of that boundary, because remember, you don't know where you are in virtual reality. And, and often you think you're facing one direction, but because of your experiences, you're actually facing the completely opposite direction when you take your headset off, right? So you don't know where you're going to be, right? So this guardian system, as you approach outside of that guardian system, it'll actually put up these lines around you. So you can actually see that you're stepping out of that boundary. Amazing. Even better, there's another thing called pass-through mode, which actually turns on the front cameras of the, the Quest 2. It's only in black and white, and it's very, very low resolution. But it will actually, um, if you step out of your guarding system, you can turn an option on, will actually show you the outside world. So in other words, you step out, and now you can see objects in your view. Right, right. So that's amazing. So it's like you're in a bubble of your virtual reality and you step oh, outside exactly. and you're exactly. in the real world, but it's all grey. Correct. Right. <laughs> like the Wizard um, of Oz. They're going to turn that on later on to, to full colour with, with future headsets, but at the moment it's it's like this. No, I think grey's really cool. As I said, it's like stepping out of the Wizard of Oz into the real world. Yeah. It's all black and white. <laughs> exactly. And so can this be social as well? Yes. So virtual reality can be many things. The most important thing of virtual reality, I suppose, as the basic beginnings is the fact that you are putting yourself into a virtual world, right? And once you're in that virtual world, you can uh, meet other people in that virtual world if you've got the appropriate programs installed. So one of the ones that I like to play is called VR Chat. Yep. It's quite quite old right i remember playing when i had oculus dk2 back in the old days around about the end of 2014 2015 and the idea is you log into this place and you can meet a whole bunch of other people in virtual reality all around the world mm-hmm. and you adopt an avatar which is basically a computer representation of yourself and you can be anything you want 
and you see other people and you can talk to them. You can see them moving and stuff like that. And I suppose the really awesome thing about that is the fact that depending on the type of setup they have, especially with full body tracking, you actually get the full nuances of people's subconscious movements that actually makes them look alive. Right? Huh. So you can play with desktop players who don't actually have virtual reality in there, but you see they're static. They mostly standing still and there may be some slight animations to make it look like they've got an illusion of, of movement. But once you see someone with virtual reality, then their nervous ticks of their head, their arms, and if you've got full body tracking, their legs yes. as an next flavor of immersion to make it feel like they're actually those people are actually real. You're listening to Ian Wolf on Diffusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. So, Brendan, what does your avatar look like? <laughs> I have a few. So, uh, my, my first one was a vampire, right? Because... Um, Oh, my nickname's close to vampire. So I, I used to run as a little avatar of a vampire. And at the moment, I run as like a, this uh, uh, cyborg. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So do you want people to recognize your avatar or is it more anonymous? Do you meet people regularly in these spaces? You can. It, it depends. I mean, it's not so many that there's a few Aussies that we meet there in, mm-hmm. in virtual reality. And a couple of my friends do have virtual reality headsets. And I've met them in virtual reality a few times. A lot of them don't really play that often in, in here. but So usually you're meeting people overseas because that seems to be where most people are coming from. And to cope with lockdown and COVID, do you have like green spaces that you escape into in VR or, or what do you do for fun to, to make things more pleasant? Well, the thing about VR chat I didn't describe, it's, it, it's a form of metaverse, right? You're not just going into one environment. You go into like a lobby and then you can choose multiple rooms. And each of those rooms are not just static experiences. They may be a full-on game by themselves. So there's uh, one where you can go in, you can actually fly fighter aircraft right? <laughs> on carrier jets and uh, fly helicopters and things like that and basically have dogfights. This is all within the VR chat universe. There's another one which is actually set up for a, like a pub, yep. right? And, you know, you can just meet people there. Sometimes you'll see people singing, right? Actually really singing, you know, like uh, like there's a virtual microphone and everything. Like that. They'll be singing in front of an audience. There's some beautiful landscapes that you couldn't see here in, in the world. And people have recreated many worlds from various video games and, and various things. So... When I first had virtual reality many years ago, I remember doing my first New Year's Eve with people over in various countries as the, the clock ticked over the various time zones. So you can meet people in London, in Paris, in uh, like all across the world doing the Happy New Year and meeting them in person on like a virtual, well, one place was London Bridge, the other one was the, the Tower, etc. Fantastic. So... What's happening with the metaverse and Facebook? Because they bought Oculus, didn't they? Yes, they did. Yeah. So Oculus bought, uh, well, they, they got from Oculus Labs and they got bought out by Facebook. And I think they turned to Facebook Reality Labs. 
Oculus was this real game changer back in the old days because Palmer Lucky, who was actually creating the, the consumer headset, they tied up with some very, very smart people like John McCarmack and stuff like that. And they actually innovated in a lot of these technologies. And especially they worked heavily on, on what became the Quest and the Quest 2. So one of the things they're pushing for is for this thing called augmented reality. Now, augmented reality is sort of the opposite of virtual reality. So virtual reality is like obscuring your vision, which is basically, that's why you've got this headset on that you can't see anything out of generally. And putting a virtual world around you, where augmented reality is the opposite. You've got a set of glasses or a phone, and you're taking the real world and you're overlapping it or overlaying it with a virtual world. Now, the thing that Quest is doing and, and probably what's going into the future is a merger of those two, which I think they call extended reality. Um, and now you've got a, a best of the both worlds. You've got a virtual world and you've got augmented things or bringing real objects into your virtual world or the other way around. Right. So that's probably the future. And they're, they're trying to get this metaverse. There's a, a bunch of development going on with many different companies and they've actually finally agreed on a an open standard for extended reality, open XR. And so hopefully in the future, all these APIs will be able to be compatible with each other and it will simplify development and simplify you know people getting onto this metaverse. Right, because like the word metaverse comes from Neil Stevenson's Snow Crash, as I vaguely right. remember from a long time ago, what, the 90s? Yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was just saying, so if, if anyone doesn't memorize what what snow crash was it was a book where they actually had people in the original metaverse and it was tracking they'll be these well the, the one of the main characters was living in shipping container and uh he was accessing his virtual reality goggles to be in this metaverse which was a like a like a like an infinite world type thing and they could actually set up this bar and a whole bunch of worlds similar to what sort of vr chat is except a little bit extended. If you can think sort of what's in um, Ernest Klein's book, Ready Player One, and also the movie, the movie sort of represents what a real metaverse would look like if it's extended across to, to the whole world, in fact. So you can go in there and you can be anyone, be anything, go to any world, and usually it's persistent. The world is persistent. So that when you log in, the world takes off from where you, you left off. And so is the future fully immersive, extremely realistic, extended reality? I believe so. <laughs> because I think that's where the world's going to at the moment, right? At the moment, it's a whole bunch of companies who are working on, on this type of thing. So Apple is working on a lot of augmented reality experiences where you can take your phone and other companies as well. You take your phone, you, you shine it on your desktop and it's as you look for your screen, you can see like uh, like little robots or something walking across your desk. And of course, they're not there, but you can you can do this. Some of the new technology now is able to recognize shapes on your desktop, right? So now you can actually have those little robots interacting with items on your desk, right? Because they're, the computer is aware that these objects exist. Now you can interact with those objects. So that's where they're going. But... No, no one's talking about what they're actually working on and what the future headset is. Apple hasn't 
said what they're working on yet. Microsoft's working on something. They won't tell us. For the consumer, they do have the HoloLens, right? But for the consumer one, they haven't really talked about it as well. And Oculus is obviously working on their, their future version. And then one of the, the things I haven't, well, I haven't really explained is that this whole issue of full body tracking or, or immersion. Okay, so you, with most virtual realities, you've got your head, you've got your arms. With full body tracking, you can now track your, your legs and your feet. So that makes your body completely immersed into the virtual reality. And then you, you layer on haptics on the top of that, so you can get the things like called the Tesla suit and the Tesla suit or the haptic suits as well. So you wear this suit and it will put a set of like vibrational motors similar to what's in your, your phone and it can simulate touch. With the Tesla suit, which is a lot more expensive, it actually can use electrical signals as well to actually give you the sensation of cold and hot. A little bit like the the TENS that they use in exactly. physiotherapy. Like if you go and see a physiotherapist, for example, they'll put little electrodes on you and they'll turn a very low direct current and you'll feel a little sort of tingling feeling. And with the right sort of suggestion for most people, the tingling can feel cold if you're in the right situation to feel cold and things like that. I have tried one of the Tesla yeah. suits. Yeah. I, I, unfortunately, I never get a chance to try one, but I'm aware of what they do, but I'm, I really, really wanted to try one for myself. <laughs> I did interview um, one of the founders two, three years ago. Yeah, yeah the, there's a lot of promise. Oh, the issue with them is they're, they're very good, but they're, I mean, they're quite expensive. Yes. Right. So they're main at the moment they're for corporate customers and things like that, and they 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 do have limited places you can try them. The B haptic suit doesn't have a, as much, but they're a little bit more cheaper. Right, they're a lot more affordable. Uh, and there's some open source ones coming out as well, where you can build your own haptics. So, so it's not, not as expensive, uh, but of course you have to make it up yourself. What is it you think Facebook hopes to get out of this? Because it's quite a different business to what they're doing on Facebook on the surface. Well, one of the things that virtual reality allows you to do is interact with anyone anywhere, right? It's very hard to interact with people, like if you don't know someone that is, to, to, to uh, on, on a random platform, okay? Because you either just see a chat box or you see a picture of their face. Uh, it's very hard to actually establish that communication. But if you're in the same room as someone, all right, it's much easier to read their body language, see if they don't like you, see if they like you, if they're interested in talking. And now you've got that positive feedback system, right? So it's like standing in the same room as someone. The other way they're going is for businesses. At the moment, you know, COVID, people can't meet. Well, you've got Zoom meetings and Zoom meetings are okay, but you, you're still lacking a lot of the presence that, that you'd get when you're actually standing next to someone, right? Hmm. So there's a lot of subconscious cues that you can't get from meetings or, or especially by voice chat or things like that, where you can actually gauge what the, the people you're talking to are actually feeling. You can look at someone and you can say, well, that person looks quite annoyed, right? <laughs> or they're, they're acting standoffs. You can, if you have a metaverse, if you have people with full body tracking, if you have this thing, you can pick up on all those cues and basically project that person directly into the real world. That's for a business thing. But there's also another pragmatic thing. It's about a lot of people who are sick and injured, who can't travel. 
and they can get, project their loved ones directly into their room and they can basically meet with their, their loved ones. And of course, as the graphics improved, you could probably actually replicate a more lifelike image of what they look like in 3D into that room. I just think the virtual reality is something that everyone should try just because, well, it's very, very hard to describe if you've never tried virtual reality exactly what it is. And it takes a flat screen game that you may be playing and puts you right in it as if you're actually there, right? And, and I think that's the future. Nothing's for a long time never going to change actually physically being somewhere. But one thing about virtual reality is you can go anywhere in the world and feel like you're actually there. And as the, as the, the technology improves, that sense of realism is going to increase to the fact that you'll possibly one day never actually know the difference between actually being there and actually being in virtual reality. Well, that opens up a whole new can of worms, but maybe we'll discuss that another time. Well, Brendan, thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. That was Brendan Clark talking about virtual reality. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Are you a scientist, artist, biohacker or maker who'd like to be interviewed about your work? Would your company like to sponsor Diffusion? Send your contributions, opinions, helpful suggestions and donations to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. Please subscribe to the Diffusion Science Radio channel on youtube.com slash c slash diffusionradio and rate the show on iTunes. Tell your friends. Follow me on Twitter at Ian Wolf. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia to 28 stations on the community radio network, including Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM in New South Wales, 8 C in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek, 2 NVR in Nambucca Valley, 3 MBR in the Mallee Border Districts of Victoria and South Australia, City Park Radio 7LTN in Launceston, Tasmania, and 2XXFM in Canberra. Diffusion is narrowcast on Indigo FM 88 in northeast Victoria. Diffusion is syndicated globally on astronomy.fm. Subscribe to the podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com and check the website for links, photos and videos about this week's show. If you enjoyed this show, you can explore more than a thousand previous episodes archived on diffusionradio.com where the shows are labelled by keywords so you can focus in on the stories you want to hear. Make a donation through paypal.me slash ianwolf or join my patrons at patreon.com slash diffusionradio. I'm Ian Wolf. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio. Science is fun. It helps you to learn, to know, and to appreciate. When you study science, you may go on field trips. You discover the marvelous interrelationships between all living things. You learn to read the history of the Earth as it is written in rocks and fossils. You find out what makes things tick. Everything from a molecule to a living organism. In the study of science is found the most useful and satisfying knowledge of man. Knowledge of his physical world, its past, its present, and its future. And in your moments of relaxation, now and in the years to come, you will find the study of science leading you into fascinating pursuits. Photography. 
collecting. Why study science? Study science because you will find in the study of science a richer, more rewarding life.